As you know, there are a whole lot of people on a Titanic that went down in 1912. But the most, one of the most notable passengers is one that few people know of. He was a man by the name of John Harper. He was a plain, ordinary pastor from the city of Glasgow in Scotland. He had faithfully shepherded his congregation for years and he was a faithful young minister, only 40 years old. He had given over a decade to his church, 15 years as their pastor. Moody Memorial Church in Chicago had invited him to come and preach a series of sermons, so he had accepted the invitation and booked himself on the maiden voyage of the Titanic. And as he boarded the ship, he thought, I will have plenty of time to prepare my sermons for this preaching series. But the pastor, but Pastor John had a bit of a problem staying in his room and studying. He's always out in the deck talking with people and convincing them to get saved. It was told that the night before the Titanic sunk that John Harper was on the deck earnestly pleading and begging someone to come to Christ. He had given his life day in and day out to see the people would do so. And the night the iceberg struck the ship, he was awoken. So he got up and he started making his way to the lifeboat realized there wasn't enough room for everyone. So he started going from deck to deck crying out women and children and the unsaved to the lifeboats. He said, let's get the non-Christians on first. Now, as he was doing this, you can imagine the panic. Many people were cast into the waters and survived for a while in the freezing waters. Pastor John was one of those people. He hung on to a wooden piece of debris floating in the water. Some of the passengers, because of the swirling currents of the sinking ship, were being brought close to one another and then flung apart. One of the men was brought into close proximity with John Harper. John cried out, Sir, are you a Christian? And the man answered simply, No. And the current took him away into the darkness. A few minutes later, by God's providence, the same man was brought back into John Harper's sight. And John asked him again, Sir, are you saved yet? Have you accepted Christ? And the man said, No, I can honestly say... He said, No, I can honestly say that I, that I have not. Apparently that was the last thing John Harper ever said. He lost his grip on the piece of debris and he sank down into the Atlantic Ocean and died. The man that John Harper was pleading to give his life to Christ in his last few minutes of life was one of the few that were picked up by one of the boats who had come onto the scene. He testified that he did accept Christ that very night and he settled in Hamilton in Ontario, Canada. He was often asked to speak and to give his testimony and he would proudly step up and say, I am John Harper's last convert. Well, it's amazing how your scenery can change your perspective on things and change how you receive some news. We're going to look at some people who receive news differently and how that worked on them. But over in Luke chapter 11 is where we will be. We've been dealing over the last number of weeks on the topic of faithfulness, but in particular, over the last half dozen weeks or so, we started looking at thankfulness. That faithful people are thankful people. Unfaithful people generally are thankless people. They are not thankful to God. They are not thankful to others. Maybe at times you'll see it, but they don't live a lifestyle of being thankful. And we looked at Ahab, King Ahab, and how he was unthankful about the things that he had. And how all of a sudden he didn't have a vegetable garden and everything else that he had as king was had no value to him. We then looked at satisfaction and how Jeroboam was told of all the things he would be given, but he couldn't find satisfaction in it and got dis disturbed over some of the things that might happen. He might lose this. And we told you there that seeds of dissatisfaction nurtured result in rebellion. Seeds of dissatisfaction nurtured result in rebellion. Now, not all rebellion is bad. Sometimes we think, well, rebellion, rebellion is always bad. But no, not all rebellion is bad. Did we not rebel from the house of Satan? Because seeds of dissatisfaction were planted in us and we suddenly became dissatisfied with the life of sin and decided that the life of righteousness was better. And so we pursued that. But generally, dissatisfaction, seeds of dissatisfaction are going to bring you to a place of rebellion against things that are good. 
When we do follow after those bad seeds, we become enlightened to principles we don't perceive as false. How many times have you seen people that are enlightened to principles and you look at that and say, what in the world are you talking about? We look at how important patience is. We looked at the book of Jeremiah on some things on that. We looked at selfishness and began to identify what is selfishness. How can we find selfish people? We started that off in Luke chapter 14. Last week we looked at two people who went two different ways. We looked at, at Saul and his son Jonathan. And how Saul became a very selfish person, though he didn't start off that way. And Jonathan continued in the way of being a very selfless, very, very unselfish person. And we see how they went in such different directions. But the one thing we have noticed is that selfish people understand that selfish motivations must be under a mask. They must be covered up. And they try and present it in all kinds of good ways to make it look good. And we saw how Saul did this. And Saul presented a lot of his evil ways with good intentions. And it's real hard to come against people who seem to be saying all the right things and seem to have good intentions and seem to be doing all right with the, with what they say they want. But just something just doesn't seem to be right about, about that. Well, today we want to look at Luke chapter 11. And we're going to deal with this. Dealing with selfish people. How many of y'all have selfish people in your life? Stop thinking of your spouse. No, we all run into selfish people. But generally, there are people, other people than ourselves. Generally, we, we know, you know, I have a selfish boss. I have a selfish neighbor. I have selfish people at, at where I work. And we can all spot selfish people. It is harder for us to spot selfishness in ourselves. But how do we deal with the people that are around us that are selfish? Now, there are some selfishness that is more severe than others. And we're going to see some of the, some of that enlighten some of the principles on that than in this passage and another one beside this. But in Luke chapter 11, verse 29. And while the crowds were thickly gathered around, he began to say, This is an evil generation. It seeks a sign and no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah the prophet. For as Jonah became a sign to the Ninevites, so also the Son of Man will be to this generation. Well, why is this evil generation that seeks a sign? What is it about this generation? Why is he a, he's pulling out this generation and says, this generation is evil? Why is he saying that? What is it about their seeking of a sign? Well, first off, I want God to demonstrate to me in a way that I want. Isn't that what people want a sign? They're not content with the stuff that's around. I want God to demonstrate to me something unique. You could tell people that are unsaved how God has demonstrated Himself in the order of the universe, in the beauty of creation, in the diversity of animals, in the way man is created, in the way the stars are ordered, in the way the earth rotates around a sun, and all the beauty that's there. And you could say all that, no, that just happened. No, that just happened. That's just that way. You know, you can probably tell those same people, go over to a junkyard, gather up a whole bunch of stuff, put some some C4 under it, blow it up, and see if you get a Lexus. (laughs) Probably won't. But that's what they're basically thinking that they have with uh, with the world. I want God to demonstrate to me in a way that I want. I'm not satisfied with the signs that God has provided. I'm not satisfied with the things that I see. I want God to do this. I want God to show up this way. Well, that's a selfish reason. That's a selfish thing, isn't it? I want God to do this. How many times have you run into people, I want you to do this? What do you think about them? Well, you selfish person, you. But yeah, we can go up there and do that to God. I want God to demonstrate to me in a way I want. I don't want things to be required of me. I don't want things to be required of me. How would you like it if you go into the, the boss, going to work, you're showing up in there and, and work, and, and all of a sudden they give you something to do? What? Meaning I've got to do stuff besides be here? I thought you just paid me for being here. You want me to do stuff too? But some of the, some of the way people show up at work anymore, they're kind of shocked that you want them to do anything. I, I just worked 
Five minutes putting that stuff up. Don't we get a little bit of a break here? I don't want things to be required of me. See, selfish people don't want other people requiring them. But you can spot unselfish people. Unselfish people require much of themselves and less of those around them. That's an unselfish person. They require less of those around them and much, much more of themselves. And certainly we should do that. Get out there. When you're at work, you should be the hardest working person on, in the, on the floor. Well, no, I'm not the highest paid. Selfish. Selfish. But I'm not the highest paid. I shouldn't be the hardest working. You won't get to be the, hard, the highest paid unless you are the hardest working. Get going. Be the hardest working person there. Be the most studied up. Well, they don't pay me to study. So, faithfulness is not always looking at, well, they don't pay me to do this. They don't do So, what? I'll tell you what. If you can get out of that selfish mentality or get people around you to get out of that selfish mentality and get into that, that part where, what can I do? Spouses doing whatever they can for each other. Not looking for it to barely get along. Whatever they can for each other, they're going to do it. Kids doing whatever they can for their parents. Employers doing whatever they can for the employees. Employees doing whatever they can for the employer. And everyone's thankful. Everyone's appreciative of each other. Wow, what a world that would be, huh? I don't want things to be required of me. Require of them of yourself. Yeah, but if I start doing that, they're going to begin to expect it. Then expect more. I mean, sometimes we just put limits on ourselves that you just can't do certain things. Stop doing that. I don't want things to be required of me. I want things to be given to me. Don't get into that mentality. Do not get into that mentality. We're getting into this part here now where everybody wants the government to give them this. We want the government to pay our mortgage. We want the government to pay our cars. We want the government to, to not tax us. And we want the government to give us money. Wouldn't that be nice if a government could do all that for you? <laughs> I want things given to me. I deserve to have things given to me. We all know about that, right? We, we don't deserve it. If you got what you deserve, you'd be in a, in a real fix. Thank God you don't get what you deserve. We've, we've gotten past that. Don't get into that mentality. I want things given to me. And until then, I won't believe. Until then, I won't believe. This is why this is an evil generation. I'm not going to believe until I get this. I want it this way. And don't require something of me. If I'm ready, I'll give it to you. If I, if I can get to that spot where I'm ready, I'll go ahead and do it. But don't require that of me. You know, employers require you to be on time. Dear Lord, how unreasonable is that? Be on time for work? Come on. But I bet you employees sure do leave on time. I'm ready to leave on time. Don't get into that mentality. Find out how much can I give my employer. You will find out. They will try and give you more. No, you don't know my employer. Well, may I just have to work extra harder with your employer. But you can get there. They like to reward people who are making, making them money and doing things for them. But this was an evil generation. They wanted God to demonstrate to them in the way that they wanted they didn't want to look at the science that God had given them. They don't want anything required of them. I want things given to me. And until then, I won't believe. So that's why he called them an evil generation. They are selfish. I want God to reach me the way I am. Where I am. Doing what I'm doing. That's how I want it. Now he goes on and gives some examples here. The queen of the south will rise up in judgment with the men of this generation and condemned them. For she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And indeed, a greater than Solomon is here. So this queen came from the ends of the earth just to hear the words of Solomon. She valued wise words so much that she made a long trip and she didn't have a jet. She didn't have a personal jet. She didn't even have an SUV. No train. They had camels and horses, chariots and things like that. It was a rough trip. It wasn't one that she'd left today and got there tomorrow. It took some time because she was hungry for it. She wanted it. She's not sitting down there, well, if Solomon will do this for me, if he'll come on out over here. If... No, she, I want that. 
You know, sometimes you want something from God, go after it. Go pursue it. The queen came to hear. She didn't sit around and wait. Now, I put this in here. Get this down. To those who come to discover wisdom and those who come to discover trouble usually find what they are looking for. Those who come to discover wisdom and those who come to discover trouble usually find what they are looking for. Selfish people generally show up to find trouble. Now you look at this. How many ungrateful, unthankful, selfish people do you know who when they show up, if there's a problem, they can find it? And they make sure everybody else knows about it too. See this over here? My chicken McNuggets are cold. I didn't come here for, for cold McNuggets. I came here for hot McNuggets. And they make sure everybody knows about it. And complain and complain and complain and complain. Don't live that way. Don't operate that way. Boy, just be nice about it. Because people like to do nice things for nice people. But when you get nasty, you get troublesome. Don't be that way. Don't go into your marriage looking for trouble. Because you will find it. Don't go into the lives of your kids looking for trouble. Because you may just find that. No, don't do that. Go in there looking for wisdom. Go in there looking for good things. What you'll look for, you're going to find. If you want to look for things that are positive, you will find things that are positive. If you want to find things that are negative, you will find things that are negative. And then you can go out there and give voice to it. But I'll tell you, I've noticed some ungrateful, unthankful, selfish people, unfaithful in all their ways. And when they get on the scene, they just stir up trouble. They just, uh, they just mess with stuff, stir up trouble. You don't need that. The men of Nineveh were not looking to repent. The queen of, queen of um, the south, she was looking for wisdom and she came for it. But the men of Nineveh, they weren't looking to repent. They were finding their sin, weren't they? But God sent Jonah. Go out there and tell them. And you know Jonah, we talked about the story with Jonah before. You know when Jonah showed up on the scene, he wasn't real passionate. You all need to repent. He was like, yeah, get right or get out of here. Because he didn't want them to repent. He wanted them to die. He wanted them to be judged because he knew that Assyria was going to come down and, and uh, be knocking on Israel or Judah's door next. Took care of Israel. He's, they're going to come down and take care of Judah. So he'd rather God judge them than they had to fight them. So he wasn't all that passionate about it. And when they did turn their lives over to God, he's all upset. I knew it. I knew you'd send me out here and if they repented, you'd let them, let them get away with it. He was upset. The men of Nineveh, Nineveh were not looking to repent but did when the way was pointed out to them. They were receptive to it. They are receptive to it. Unfaithful, unthankful, selfish people are generally not receptive to things. As soon as you tell them something, give them some tidbit, give them some nugget, show them some wisdom from the Word of God, they're skeptical of it. They put it down. Oh, I heard that before. That's not such a big deal. Oh, and they're always comparing it to something else. Just know that's who these people are. How many of you are figuring out more people that are selfish, unfaithful, ungrateful, unthankful in your life? That's right. We're going to show you how to deal with them. There's a good way to deal with them. There's a bad way to deal with them. Pick the good way. He goes on. Look at us. He's got two examples here. He uses Nineveh. Of course, of course, he talked about Jonah being the sign. No one, when he has lit a lamp, puts it in a secret place or under a basket, but on a lampstand that those who come in may see the light. The lamp of the body is the eye. Therefore, when your eye is good, your whole body also is full of light. But when your eye is bad, your body also is full of dark darkness. The, the lamp of the body is the eye. How you see things determines what comes in. It determines your course. If you're going to come in with an unthankful, ungrateful, selfish attitude, this is what you're going to see. You're going to see all the things that don't benefit you. You're going to see all the things that are targeted against you. This is what you're going to see. Because this is what you come in. This is how your eye is lit up. Don't get that way. It's so important. Come in, always be thankful. We talked about that before. I told you we can get into a month of Sundays on that. But just maintain thankfulness. 
The Word of God does not say be thankful for everything that happens in your life, but be thankful in everything that goes on. You can always be thankful in it. I don't have to sit there and say, Oh, Father God, I thank you you sent this horrible crisis upon me. That's not good. That's not good. But Father God, even despite this storm that has come upon me, thank you, Lord, for being God. Thank you for the way you're going to deliver me. Thank you for the, for the, just keep thanking Him. Be thankful. Be staying in a thankful mentality, in a thankful way. It will help you. Help you stay faithful. Faithful people are thankful people. Unfaithful people are not. Be maintaining that thankful attitude. He goes on and says, Therefore, take heed that the light which is in you is not darkness. Take heed that the light that is in you is not darkness. Isn't that a funny phrase? People have let light inside that is nothing more than darkness, but they think it is light. So when you bring light across to them, they see it as different from what's on the inside and they pull away. Oh, I'm not letting that in. Uh Uh-uh. I don't want that kind of stuff going on. You'll see this with government types. We got a whole lot of ungrateful, unthankful, selfish people in government right now. Unsaved, not following after God. And the stuff that they believe, can you believe some of the stuff they believe? Can you believe some of the stuff they're trying to put on us? How many of y'all know they want to sell you on the fact that the middle class are not going to get taxed? No, no raising your taxes. But now they're talking about a value-added tax. They're talking about increasing the gasoline tax. It's a good thing that middle-income people don't buy gasoline or don't, don't buy anything that's affected by a value-added tax. It's a good thing we don't, right? Otherwise, your taxes will be get, get raised up. But they get so close into this thing, they think they can tax this and tax that and tax this and tax that and eventually something's going to happen. New York found this out. They lost a whole lot of people. I think I heard that New York is basically supported by about 40,000 people. Something around that. It's a low number for how many are people actually there. That the, the whole state is, is, uh, is uh, supported by this. And millionaires have been coming out saying, we're moving out. This last round of taxes, we're moving out. We're going to some state that doesn't have this sort of stuff. I think the owner of the Buffalo Sabres is one of the ones who wants to get on out of there and, and go someplace else. Well, you see, if you keep punishing an activity, you people are going to stop doing it. We don't need to have that kind of stuff going on. But see, they got darkness on the inside. They think they can keep taxing and taxing and taxing. Why is it that we rebelled from England in the first place? Taxes. Huh. Taxes. That is funny, isn't it? We set up this government so we didn't have all that stuff going on. Well, we need to let our people know about that and you don't like the way that your representatives and your senators and whoever else you got in there are going with taxes. You know what to do with that come election time. Always seems like every year we have an election for something, doesn't it? I just, we've seen all those signs up. Again, we have an election. We just had an election last year. So someone's always running. Go out there and find out the people that are holding up to the principles of God, doing the things that you want to do. That's how we, we can take care of that. Take heed that your light is not darkness. To some, darkness is light. They've let that in. Christian people, and he's going to deal with some, some Christian people let so much darkness on the inside of them that whenever the light of the gospel comes up, they turn it out. They tune it out. No, 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 no. No, that's not, that's not right. They put on an air of righteousness. They put on an air of serving God. But as soon as you get into the revelation of God's word, there's a hardness that's there. No, 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 not letting that in. This is what these people are talking, or what Jesus is talking about. Don't let your light be darkness. If then your whole body is full of light, having no part dark, the whole body will be full of light, as when the bright shining of a lamp gives you light. Now, take a look at this. We're going to look at a real similar story to what we saw two weeks ago in Luke 14. And he spoke... And as he spoke, a certain Pharisee asked him to dine with him. So he went and sat down to eat. A certain Pharisee asked him to come and to eat with him. I'm supposing this is inviting him over to his house. So he went in and sat down to eat. So he went in and sat down to eat. How innocent does that sound? Sounds pretty good to me, huh? But when the Pharisee saw it, he marveled. 
that he had not first washed before dinner. You see, if you're looking for trouble, folks, you can find it. If you look for it, you can find it. If you have an ungrateful attitude, you can be ungrateful about a lot of things. How many of you would just be so grateful that Jesus came to your house to eat? Who cares if we washed or not? I'm just glad He's here. Come on in. You want to wash? Go ahead. If you don't, that's all right with me. Come on in. I'm so glad that you're here. Jesus is here in our house. And you get in the house. Any sick people in the house? Bring them in here. Let's go. And bring them on over for Jesus. Any problems we got in the house? Let's bring them over here for Jesus. We would be grateful. It's like, oh, thank God. Jesus is here in the house. What's this guy doing? He didn't wash. He, ble- he didn't wash up. Coming to my house to eat my dinner and didn't wash up. And of course, he brought it up to Jesus, right? Just as he marveled that he not first washed before dinner. It's a Pharisee. Religious leader. And the Lord said to him, Now you Pharisees, make the outside of the cup and dish clean, but your inward part is full of greed and wickedness. Foolish ones, did not he who made the outside make the inside also? Now look at this, folks. The Pharisees' problem is selfishness. My way is the best way. And you need to do things my way. And if you do it, come into my house, you need to do this. And we have this rule, and you need to follow it. He's a selfish person. Selfish. So Jesus comes into his house. He's coming into the home of a selfish person. And he, he, he's fine to come into the home of a selfish person. Sits on down and picks up what this person is thinking about. And what's he do? He deals with it. Why do you think Jesus didn't wash to begin with? Have you ever had it in your thoughts that you know a selfish person's out there and you know what gets under their skin and you did it? You ever had that? And then you get the devil gets you all in condemnation about it later on and says, you did that on purpose just to get them upset. Stand up to him and say, yes, I did! Follow Jesus' example. That's what he did. (laughs) Jesus went in there and stirred the pot up a little bit. Got things going. Let's mess with this thing. Let's clean it up. Let's get get this thing... uh, Get this thing going. How many of you have ever ha, ever kept aquariums, fish aquariums? You ever kept one of those? Now, the, and it just works with any aquarium that you have. Every once in a while, you have to go in there and clean the tank, right? When you go in there and clean the tank, and you rustle up the gravel, and you move all the stones, and you get all that stuff going on, you clean the filter and stuff like that, what does the water look like? It's cloudy, it's dirty. But you just cleaned it. And you just put in all fresh water... Took out some old water, put in some fresh water, cleaned up all kinds. And the stuff that you pulled out, I mean, it's it's dirty, it's gross, it's disgusting. And then you look at that tank and it was cleaner before you started. It was better off before, right? Well, sometimes you've got to stir things up a little bit. If you wanted to get it cleaned up later on, sometimes you've got to stir it up. Jesus is coming and He's stirring up the gravel. Says there's a little bit of messed up stuff in here. He's coming and he's stirring it up. So Jesus doesn't wash. Don't you think by this point he knows what Jewish people think about not washing your hands? So he talks about cleaning the outside, not cleaning the inside. Verse 41. But rather give alms of such things as you have, then indeed all things are clean to you. But woe to you, Pharisees, for your tithe, for you tithe mint and rue, and all the matter of, of herbs, and passed by justice, and the love of God. These you ought to have done without having or leaving the others undone. Woe to you, Pharisees, for you love the best seats in the synagogues, and greetings in the marketplaces. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are all like graves, which are not seen, and the men who walked over them are not aware of them. What's he doing? I mean, he is stirring that gravel up, isn't he? That's if we're in here stirring up, just get it all going. Just stir it all up. Verse 45, Then one of the lawyers answered and said to him, Teacher, by saying these things you reproach us also. He was a lawyer, wasn't a Pharisee, wasn't a scribe. He says, you know, it sounds like you're coming against us as well. Oh, did it sound that way? Oh. And he said, 
What are you also lawyers? <laughs> I'm sorry if you were feeling uh, like you weren't sure whether you're being included. Let's just get it all taken care of. Woe to you guys too. Now isn't it great coming over to somebody's house for dinner? Woe to you guys. Woe to you for this. I wouldn't recommend that. If you go on over to somebody's house this afternoon for dinner or tomorrow, don't, I'm not saying to go in there, woe to you! <laughs> but this is what Jesus did. He's stirring it up. I mean, if you're going to start off with woe to you, you better know what you're woeing. Woe to you also, lawyers, for you have, for you load men with burdens hard to bear, and you yourselves do not touch the burdens with one of your fingers. In other words, you're telling them to do, you gotta do this, and you gotta do it this way, and you gotta do this, but you yourself, you don't do it. You don't mess with that. Woe to you, for you build the tombs of the prophets, and your, and your fathers killed them. In fact, you bear witness that you approve the deeds of your fathers, for they indeed killed them, and you build their tombs. Therefore, the wisdom of God also said, I will send them prophets and apostles, and some of them they will kill and persecute. That the blood of all the prophets which was shed from the foundation of the world may be re required of this generation. From the blood of Abel to the blood of Zechariah who perished between the altar and the temple. Yes, I say to you, it shall be required of this generation. Woe to you lawyers! For you have taken away the key of knowledge. You did not enter in yourselves. And those who were entering those who are entering in, you hindered. So he really sizes them all up. This is all before the meal served. Mm. And as he said these things to them, the scribes and the Pharisees began to assail him vehemently and to cross-examine him about many things, lying in wait for him and seeking to catch him in something he might say, that they might accuse him. Well, wouldn't that just be a fun dinner? Y'all want to be there for that one? Mm. Quite a bit of a show going on. They're just, uh, just over the meal. I wonder how far they got into the meal. Maybe you can always ask God that when you get up there. How long did that meal go on? But he's got selfish people here. So what he has is a selfish person who invited Jesus over to dinner with a bunch of other selfish people around, some scribes and some lawyers. And Jesus says, okay, I'll come. And so they come in, they sit on down, and he starts... He, he, they start uh, picking on Jesus first. They picked on Him first. Understand that. In their minds, not out loud. In their minds, they picked on Him first. And so He picked on them out loud. You think it's a big deal to not wash hands? You spend so much time washing what's on the outside, you don't care about what's on the inside. And He starts digging into them. Sometimes, with selfish people, you got to dig into them. It's sometimes the only way to get them, get them past it. Now, with this, when you get selfish people and God leads you in such a way as to dig into them, you will either get them mad and they'll be out of your life forever. I heard it. Somebody said, glory to God. <laughs> no, I didn't really hear that. <laughs> it, was, it was down the inside. I was perceiving. <laughs> How many of you would like some of those selfish people in your life to leave you alone? Well, don't dig into them for that reason. You must dig into them for the purpose that God says, go after this one, take care of this. And, and sometimes you just need to get them mad. You know, I've had that with some people in my life and, and uh, people that come on in and you can tell they're just all wrapped up in selfishness. And sometimes you can get them so mad that they snap out of it. Sometimes. Sometimes you just get them so mad they leave you alone forever. But generally, either way is better. Isn't it? I mean, to have selfish people around that just keep doing these selfish things and irritating you. How many times you come on home, selfish people doing this, that, and the other thing, and urgh, they get you almost off your salvation. Just all upset. Sometimes you need to just let selfish people know where they are. And stop sitting up there saying, well, I just need to bear it. It seems that Jesus dealt with selfish people. To try and get them out of it. So Jesus exhorts the Pharisees. 
So did Jesus come to this? Did Jesus just come to this knowledge? Does he all of a sudden come to the knowledge of, of what the Pharisees are doing? No, he's, he's had that. He's looking for an opportunity. Here is an opportunity to bring this out. And so he looks for an opportunity to do that, finds it, and seizes it. There will be opportunities to deal with selfish people in your life. When you see the opportunity, don't sit there and say, well, I need to go away and pray about it and see if I ought to say anything because the opportunity will be gone. You've got to jump on opportunities when they can. Can you imagine Jesus comes into the house they start thinking these things. He says, well, I know what I could say. I need to go pray about it and find out whether I should. And he goes away and he prays about it and God says, yeah, you should have said that. All right. So he goes over to the Pharisee. Can you invite me over to dinner again? <laughs> we try and set it up again. Don't you look to try and set it up again. Just take care of it when it's there. Be there. Now, the Pharisees have a bad attitude about this thing. They may not have had it when they first brought Jesus in, but as soon as Jesus doesn't wash up, as soon as Jesus doesn't do something they expect, they got a bad attitude. And Jesus deals with it. They didn't come in with the attitude that the queen came in with. The queen came in and she's not looking, why is Solomon wearing that? Oh, that is not his color. Oh, I thought this was a wise man. Look at that. Oh, oh that is awful. And, and look at the Who did your decor decor? I mean, you put the... Oh, come on. Do you know how many steps I had to walk to get up here? That's a lot of steps for this lady. And you know how far it came? And then you make me walk up all these steps? She didn't come in with that attitude. She came with the attitude, this is good to be here. And she just wanted to hear the words of Solomon. She doesn't sit there and pick... No, nah, that's not wisdom. No, nah, that's not wisdom. That's what are, you t- what are you trying to sell that for? Me? She, whatever, whatever he said, she's just taking it in. Just take it in. Give me some more. Give me some more. And when she gets done, she, she didn't say, well, you know, most of that was pretty good. She come, go back to the story. Solomon and, and the queen go back to the story, read it over. She gets all done. She says, the half of it wasn't told me. It was told me that it was so good that I made this long trip just to get here and they weren't even half right. It's better than I ever thought it was. See, that's an appreciative person. That's a thankful person. That's a person who's going to receive some things. That's why she came on in. She saw, she saw good there. Because she came in with that attitude. Now, let's take a look at Jesus dealing with another selfish person. Because not everybody's a Pharisee. Thank God. There are some other people around. And in verse 1 of chapter 19, same book. Then Jesus entered, passed through Jericho. Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. And he sought to see who Jesus was, but could not because of the crowd, for he was short stature. Some of you know what that feels like. There's some of you in the Word of God. They know what that feels like, to be short. Now, to be short, all you have to do is be shorter than the people you're around. I mean, some people look at me and say, you're tall. Well, it depends. If I'm standing around you folks, maybe I am tall. But you know, Alan Iverson is my height. We share the same height. We are just as, I am just as tall as Alan Iverson is. But if you look at Alan Iverson on the basketball court with basketball players, he looks like a midget. He looks short. People tower over him. And we saw, we took the youth group out there one time. We, we saw Alan Iverson in the Sixers when he was on the Sixers. And he was playing, I believe it was the Denver Nuggets. And the Denver Nuggets at that time, I cannot remember the guy's name. I think it began with a B. But they had a player on there who was so short, he made Allen Iverson look tall. Unbelievable. Boykins, that's it. Got it? There we go. Boykins. Oh, he was short. I couldn't believe anybody on the court would ever make Allen Iverson look tall. Now, Allen played a whole lot taller than he was, than he stood up. I liked watching him play. I liked watching people give their all. And he sure enough gave his all when he played. Fun to watch. Like that, that sort of stuff. He didn't care if somebody was seven foot and he's only six one. Don't bother him at all. But he was short on that court. And I'll tell you, it must be tough to be a basketball coach if you were not a basketball player. Because just about every basketball court coach who is not a basketball player is short. And they have the huddle in there. You can't see the coach. All you see is the players. So short of stature is just shorter than the people that are around you. 
You might be tall to some people. You might be short to others. But this guy, he was short to the people that were around him. And he couldn't see. You ever had that? Been out to some place and just couldn't see. Couldn't get up there. So he said, all right, I'm going to climb up in a tree. So he gets up in a tree. So he can see what's going on. So he ran ahead climbed up into a sycamore tree and said to him, to see him, for he was going to pass that way. So he looks ahead and he says, all right, he's going over here. So I'm going to run up ahead and get in the tree. Just so He just wants to see Jesus. Is this man's attitude different than the Pharisees? Oh, this is a different attitude than the Pharisees. But he is, what is his occupation? He's a tax collector. Now, it gave us a little bit more of a description than that. He is a chief rich tax collector. He is a chief tax collector, one of the top ones, and he is rich. How does a tax collector get rich? By collecting more taxes than is due. So that would put Zacchaeus in the, in by definition, into the group of selfish people. He's doing things for himself, isn't he? He's going up to people. How many of y'all said when the tax man came? You know what? I have some extra. Do you, do you need more? Because I have some. If, if no, that's not what happens. What happens when the tax man comes? That much? I got to give you that. Come on. So so he's one of the chief tax collectors, and he would go up to people, and you know they were. I, I won't have enough food, enough money to pay you know, for, for food for my family. Come on, pay up. And he gets rich doing this to people. Would you call Zacchaeus a selfish person? I would call him a selfish person. Let's see how Jesus deals with him. Remember what he did with the Pharisees. Got in there, he stirred it up. He said stuff. He got them mad. Oh, I can't wait to see what he does with Zacchaeus. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said, Zacchaeus, Make haste and come down, for today I must stay at your house. So the Pharisee had to invite Jesus, but Jesus invites himself to to Zacchaeus' house. He doesn't wait for Zacchaeus to invite him. He says, nah, I'm coming over. Come on down, hurry up, because I'm coming to your house. So he made haste, came down, and received him joyfully. Oh, look at this stuff that's going on with this. This is good. First off, he says to make haste and came down. So he made haste and he came down. Followed the instructions good. Some people just ought to be able to follow instructions better. But he went over and above that. He saw what was expected. What was expected? Come on down. Make haste. Come on down. But he went above that. And he received him joyfully. He's glad. Oh, you're coming to my house. Oh, I'm so glad to have you coming to my house. This is great. Jesus. He's coming to my house. And he's joyful and he's probably dancing on the way on out there. Just hopping up and down. Oh, Jesus is coming. Did you know that Jesus, he's coming to my house. He's coming. He's not coming to your house. He's coming to my house. We're still selfish. He's coming to my house. Jesus, he's coming to eat my food. I'm going to make dinner for Jesus. Oh, this is good. He's, he's all excited. He joyfully Receives him. Oh, but it doesn't stop there. So he made haste, came down, received him joyfully. But when they saw it, who's they? Well, the rest of the people that were around, they were too tall for him to see. So the tall people. So when the tall people saw it, they all complained, saying, He has gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. Well, apparently, none of the tall people invited him to come over. Because he was free. He had, he had nothing on his calendar for lunch that day. Dinner or whatever it was they were having. So he says, I'm coming over to your house. Some of them are saying, oh, if I knew he was free, I would have had him over my house. Well, they didn't ask. Neither did Zacchaeus. But Jesus looks at him. So Jesus knows about the other ones. He's, he's already set up. I'm ready. I'm going to get in there. And we're going to stir this pot up. We're going to get these selfish people angry to either change or do something. And he comes into Zacchaeus' house. Oh, he's got to have some, he's got some good words for, for Zacchaeus. I mean, if God pointed him out up in the tree 
And God says, I want you to go to his house for dinner. Do you know Jesus has got some good words for him? Mm. This is going to be good. So he's gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Look, look, Lord, I, I give half of my goods to the poor. And if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. What did Jesus say? Did you all catch it? I didn't see that he said anything. Zacchaeus is a selfish person. He comes over to his house for dinner. Zacchaeus is all excited. Coming over to my house for dinner. Gets the dinner on out there. They all sit down. They're probably enjoying the meal. And Jesus is just chatting and, and being Jesus. And Zacchaeus says, you know what? I'm under, he's under conviction. Just because Jesus is there. He says, I'm going to give half my goods to the poor. And if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. He better be pretty rich. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house. Because he is also, he also is the son of Abraham. For the son of man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. The Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. Selfish people are generally lost people. There are some born-again Christians who are still caught up in selfishness that are trying to get out. But here's your different attitude. you got one that is hard. you got another one that is, that is soft, that is ready. Now, I put in your outline this way. I'm going to fill in the blanks for you, but you had those that were not ready to change and those who are ready to change. And in the selfish people that you have in your life, you have some that are ready to change. And with those, you barely have to say boo. Just get in their lives, fellowship around them, and let them see what an unselfish life is like. What a thankful life is like. What a grateful life is like. And you just be grateful and thankful. And if they are ready, that will just rub off on them and they'll just they'll just change. Just like Zacchaeus, just like that. Change. Get out of that selfish mode and get into an unselfish mode. Jesus' disciples, don't you think that most of them were involved in selfish lifestyles? One was a tax collector. Others were in business for themselves, doing things, but Jesus comes up to them and says, Be unselfish. Leave all that you have and come follow me. And they did it. They were ready for a change. There are selfish people in your life who are ready for a change. There are selfish people in your life who are not ready to change. And you can get them mad. Sometimes what you have to do, you have to get them mad and either get them to a place where they change or it just drives them further away. But... To leave them alone, they're going to do a whole lot of good. They're not going to change the way they are. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, the lawyers were not going to make a change. So Jesus says, we got to get in there and we got to stir the gravel up. We got to get into that fish tank and we got to stir up all that junk that's in there and bring it all out. And hopefully they'll get so disgusted with what they see. They'll say, uh-uh, we're changing this. We're getting out of this. But sometimes they say, this, this is fine because the light that is in them is darkness. If the light that is in people is darkness and they reject the light of the gospel, you cannot get those people to change. Can't get them to change. So what do you do? Do what Jesus did. How much time does Jesus spend converting Pharisees, Sadducees, and lawyers? What is the purpose of parables? To teach around them. I'm going to teach the people who want to hear, but so that you don't become responsible for this information and have more, more put upon you. I'm going to teach around you. I'm going to teach in parables. And the people who want to hear it, the people who want to learn, people who want to grow, they're going to get it. The rest of the people, they won't get it. So that's what he did. There are people in your life that you have been dancing around. How many of you got selfish people in your life you've been dancing around? Well, if I say the wrong thing, I might get them mad. 
Oh, I don't want to get this person upset because then I'll just be responsible for something in their life. Follow the example of Jesus. Remember we told you that last week? Go through the Word of God and look at how Jesus deals with selfish people. How does He deal with it? Head on. Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house for dinner. Before he leaves, Zacchaeus has converted his life on a path of being unselfish, faithful, grateful, and thankful. Pharisees, he left that house and they're all mad. And from the time he left, they're all saying, we're going to find something we can get this guy, pull this guy down with. And you will have selfish people that you've stirred up who are going to do nothing but look around for ways to get you hung up. Ways to get you pulled you down. Selfish people. All their purpose is, is to, to pull you down, knock you around, promote their thing. That's all that they want to do. We got that going on all the time here today. You know, I graduated from Rhema. One of the favorite pastimes of a lot of pastors and a lot of ministers is to rip Brother Hagin. They don't bother me. Go ahead and rip them all you want to. He didn't defend himself and he told us, don't you defend me either. So I don't take time out to do all that. You want to go out there and do all Go out there and do all that. There's people I listen to on the radio. People spend all time, all the time ripping them down. So? Don't, not gonna, there's some people, folks, you just can't get out of that selfish mentality. The light in them is darkness. Get them mad. Give them a chance to change. Either they change or they don't. But hey, you go on. Stop dancing around them. Notice that Jesus, every time he got around Pharisees, Sadducees, and, and lawyers, what's the end result? They got mad. Jesus didn't get mad. But they got mad. Constantly they got mad. Every time Jesus is coming around, they try and, oh, we got, we got a perfect question. We ask him this. He, he's got to. He's, he's stuck on this one. And they come on out there and he answers it in such a way they never even thought of that way. And Jesus comes out smelling like a rose and they look bad. Oh, now they're really mad. You made us look bad. Oh, stop dancing around selfish people. If you've got selfish people in your life and God shows you what they're selfish about, confront them on it. If they're ready to change, they'll hear it. And they'll change it. If they're not ready to change, then the darkness that is in them is overpowering any light that you want to bring in their way. And just go on. Don't lose sleep over selfish people. You don't need to. Thank God there's a whole lot of good ones out there. And there's unsaved people that are caught up in selfishness, but as soon as they find the light of the gospel, they're ready to change. Get out there and minister to them. Win them over. Let them know. Let them see your lifestyle. Let them see that you're thankful and grateful all the time. Let them see the difference. There is a difference in the attitude of the queen... Those in Nineveh and Zacchaeus compared to the Pharisees. There's a difference in the attitude. And that's what you're going to run into with selfish people. There's a difference in the attitude. The first came not as a self-assured authority, but as subjects to one greater than themselves. Here's a huge thing. There are people all the time who want to come as a self-assured authority. It is really tough to sway them over and to win them over. They are their own authority. They are self-assured on that authority. And this is the way they're going to be. But there are those who are subject to one greater than themselves. Thank God. We are subject to one greater than ourselves, right? In Jesus. God the Father. The Holy Spirit come and bring in us light. We are subject to that. And glory to God. And you know what? It comes to other people too. You know, I listen to some ministers who say some things and say some things in some ways that if I wanted to, I could get bothered by it. I could get bothered by it. But I'm not going to do it because I'm going to come in there. I'm going to be grateful. I'm going to be thankful. If Brother Creflo Dollar gets up and he says something, oh, I don't like how he said that. You know, that's not going to turn me off. I'm going to stay in there and listen to Brother Creflo Dollar till he finishes what he got to say and I'm going to glean from that. Brother Fred Price, he can be a little harsh at times. Have you ever heard Brother Fred Price? I like Brother Fred Price. Oh, he's enjoying Oh, he's fun. He can be a little harsh. You know what? I don't mind harsh. Give it to me straight. Don't, don't mess around. Just give it to me straight. I'm okay with that. If I, if I got a, uh, something to knock off, knock it off. Take care of it. 
And Brother Fred, he's good. Orientation down at Rama. I told you before. Faith, Foolishness, and Presumption. That's where his book came from. He just did that down there for orientation. Wonderful series. Oh, it was wonderful. That's the first time I ever saw Brother Fred Price. Not the last, of course, but boy, that was, that was good. But, you know, they come up and they say something or they say it in a way or they do it in such a way. Don't let it set you off. Be, I, can, I can be subject to Brother Creflo Dollar. I can be subject to Brother Hagen. I can be subject to Brother Price. When they get up there in that place of teaching, I'm listening. I'm listening. I told you the story before when I went to Ramah. I went in with one view on the end times and Brother Hagen had a completely different view of it. And we'd say it all the time. I've studied it for 50 years. At that point it was 50 years. I've studied it for 50 years and it's this way. And I'd say, ah, oh, I don't see that it's that way. And they had somebody teaching it in, in school, and they, oh, it was, it was tough. I sat in there in class, and, oh, that's not right. That's, oh, this, look at this over here. But what about this over here? And they were never answering any of the questions I had. I graduated from, from, um, from Raymond disagreeing with Brother Hagen on end times. Now, I didn't go right around, never went around and said, Brother Hagen's wrong. Brother Hagen's got great, this is a great one. Brother Hagen's got great revelation and everything but end times. I mean, he's just off on that one. You know what I'm doing? I've set myself up as the authority. And if Brother Hagen lines up with it, then, you know, he's okay. Well, Brother, Brother, uh, Creflo Dollar, he's good on a lot of things, but that stuff he teaches on finances, ah, I don't know. That's not so good. What am I doing? I'm not going in subject. Now, you make sure you hold on to the Word of God. You know, there's, there are some ministers who can get off and teach something that's outside of the Word of God. Don't accept it. When they teach you something from the Word of God, go back to the Word of God, look it over. Have the wisdom to at least say, I don't see that yet, but I'm going to keep studying and see what's, which way's right. Don't just, you don't have to just accept something blind. The first came not as a self-assured authority, but as subjects to one greater than themselves. They received the light joyfully and joined its illumination. They just enjoyed it. You know, it's good to come out of church and just, oh, that was good to get, oh, I like that. Got some revelation, got some understanding, reviewed some of these things. Remember he told you the purpose of church? Revelation of new. Going over the old for the purpose. Making sure we don't get distracted. I said it differently before, but that's the gist of it. The Pharisees saw the light as darkness and were not glad, but skeptical. Skeptical. They saw the light as darkness and they weren't glad. Don't get into that mentality where you are not... Be glad all the time. No one needs to take away your gladness. You get around selfish people, you can be glad. I mean, we all know if you have kids in the house and they're all selfish, you can still be glad. If you've got a spouse in the house and they're all be selfish, you can still be glad. If you've got neighbors to the right of you, neighbors to the left of you, and they're all selfish, you can still be glad. Your gladness does not depend on your neighbors, your kids, or your spouse. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Thank God for that. We walk in that joy. He is that. You, your thankfulness is based upon who you are. Not about the people that are around you. Be thankful. Be faithful in thanksgiving. Be faithful being thankful. Always be that way. Never get out of that. Just be glad. Father God, I thank you for the spouse that I had. Instead of, boy, I wish she was this way. Wish she could cook better. Wish she could clean better. I wish she could do this better. I wish she could cut my hair. I wish she could... No, don't be doing that sort of stuff. That's ridiculous. She could be just sitting over there and says, I wish he wasn't this way and I wish he wasn't that way and I wish he quit doing this and that's the stuff that he does. We're not grateful. We're not thankful. And that's why you're finding so many problems. So many issues. Be thankful for your kids. You'll find out they're not as, as bad off as you think they are. They're actually okay. Maintain thankfulness. Maintain gratefulness. Be satisfied with the things that you have. You can look for what the promises of God are for down, down the road. But always be satisfied with where you are and what you've got. Stretching forth to go after something more. But don't let it be, oh, I don't like this anymore. I can't have this anymore. And this is no good anymore. Don't be like those guys. Ahab and, and such. But when you have selfish people around, it's going to drive you crazy to keep burying and suppressing all the things that come to you when you're dealing with selfish people. You need to find out, God, what can I say? And if you say it enough times, you know what? They're going to say, I don't want to be around you anymore. Either I'm going to change being selfish or I'm not going to be around you anymore. And either way is a good, op a good outcome, isn't it? Either they're not hanging around you anymore 
Or they changed and they're doing better. But do it. Follow God. Let God lead you. Jesus dealt with selfish people. You can deal with selfish people. And don't feel guilty about it. Don't feel contemned about it. But make sure you do it with a purpose. Getting them out of it. Would you all stand up? Father, we thank You for the help that You give us. The first off, that we will not be selfish ourselves. We will not fall into selfishness. We will not fall into ungratefulness, being unthankful. But Father, we will be faithful in thanksgiving. We will be faithful in the things that You tell us to do. We will look for the words that You give us to speak to the selfish people that are around us that we can help them get out of it. And we will enjoy all that You have given us. Every teacher, every gift that You have put on the body, in the body for us to grow from. Father, we thank You for them. They're men, they're women with imperfections, but we can enjoy what they have to give us. And we thank You for the things they have to, to share with us. We want to be thankful all the time. Ever grateful for all that You do. It's so easy when we get around so many selfish people to let that attitude come upon us. But if we maintain thankfulness, gratefulness, joy, then that, that will not spread to us. Thank You, Lord Jesus, for the help that You give us. We love You. Oh, we are so glad to be serving in Your kingdom. And we can be found faithful. As You said in Your Word, in the book of Proverbs, many think they are faithful, but You say that they're rare. And we want to be one of those that's found faithful. We thank You for it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.